Joshua chapter 7. In the Old Testament, Joshua chapter 7. And tonight I'm finishing the series on interpersonal problems. Now you remember uh, last, uh, must have been beginning of last year and even the end of the previous year, end of 2020, I was busy with a series on personal problems, not interpersonal. Uh, and actually I saw there's some other topics I want to cover under that. So I'm going to do about, I think, another four topics or maybe five on personal problems. And then I'm going to end the whole series First Aid for the Soul, uh, on about seven sermons on physical problems. Physical problems. So, tonight, kleptomania. Kleptomania. And I'll explain that word now. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we come to you as creatures made of dust. Dust and ashes we are before you, the Almighty, the King of the ages. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And we bow before you, the Most High, and ask that you would now speak to us from your word. And yes, where conviction is needed, you would bring that, but also then that you would give the hope of salvation and the hope of forgiveness for those who turn to you in repentance and faith. In Jesus' name. Amen. So kleptomania, that's just a big word that is made up of two Greek words. Kleptes, which means steal, and mania, which means crazy. You go crazy about stealing. Uh, you got an obsession with taking stuff that doesn't belong to you. And psychology textbooks say that the person will steal something and it has little value. The thing is stealing and he's got money to buy it, but he steals it. And before he steals, the, the gurus tell us the person becomes very anxious and he starts getting nervous and maybe even starts sweating. And then he'll steal the thing, he takes it and he gets a kick out of stealing and getting away with it. Like Augustine. Augustine was a church father in the early church. And Augustine said when he was about 16 years old, him and a bunch of friends, they went into the neighbor's orchard and they stole pears from the fruit trees. They stole pears. And why? Augustine said, I wasn't poor and I wasn't hungry. We stole simply because we got pleasure out of doing what is wrong. And pleasure out of stealing and getting away with it. I had a friend like that when I was in primary school. I was 11 years old. And this friend of mine stole slab chocolates from a supermarket. And he boasted, he bragged uh, to us about he, how he had stolen this and got away with it. The very first time I heard the word kleptomania or kleptomaniac. A kleptomaniac is the person doing this. I was, I think, about nine or ten years old in primary school. And my brother had told me about this other kid. He's a kleptomaniac. And I don't know what on earth is a kleptomaniac. My brother explained that to me. And this kid would steal things at school, steal from other children at school. And one day, it was sport practice. Now, I can't remember, was it athletics or, or cricket practice? 
but I almost think it must have been athletics, I'm not sure, but there was a bike standing against the fence at the tennis court, and I saw this kid walk up, and he walked up, and he looked at the bicycle, and the other kids were busy exercising, and he looked, and he ran, and he grabbed the bicycle, and jumped on it, and started, as he was starting to ride away, uh, the coach saw it, and he put another kid after him, and this kid caught up with him, he grabbed the kid who stole the bicycle and he beat him up. Now, I don't think the right thing is to, to beat him up. I think the teacher should have given him a good beating. Uh, but, but what the Mayo Clinic, the Mayo Clinic, uh, their website, uh, the psychology website, they say that that child couldn't help it. That child is a kleptomaniac. He could not help stealing and there's no solution to the problem. Uh, what he can do is he can take tablets, medication, because the serotonin, the, the chemical, there's a chemical imbalance in the brain and the serotonin levels aren't right. And so he can take tablets to try and uh, lessen the urge to steal. But you can never solve the problem. Here's a quote from that website. Keep in mind that kleptomania is a mental health condition, not a character flaw. So approach the person, this kleptomaniac, without blame or accusation. Don't accuse the poor guy. He can't help stealing. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that a kleptomaniac is a common thief. That someone who steals and enjoys stealing and getting away with it, like the man, uh, I would call him a kleptomaniac, and just a, a swindler and a thief, the man who stole our washing machine. Now, thankfully, I'm not asking anyone for a washing machine. We've got another washing machine. But this guy came, our washing machine broke, and so we called a guy, went online to try and find someone in Kempton who can help us. So this guy came to our house, and uh, he listened to it. He said, yes, listen, this is the problem, I guess. So I'm going to take it, and then I'll bring it back. So he took the washing machine, fixed it, fixed it, uh, quote, unquote, and then brought the machine back the next day and said, there were your machine is changed or fixed. And so we let it run a cycle first and said, all right, the machine is fixed. We paid him 5,000 bucks and uh, the machine broke that same night. And so the problem was back or really never solved. The next day we call him. He said, no problem. You've got a one-year guarantee. I'll come and pick up the machine. So he picked up the machine and disappeared. So no machine, took the money, took the machine and God takes that very seriously. And we're going to see this in Joshua chapter 7. Um, now, with jylle my help my die Engels van Nederlaag. Israel's defeat in verse 1 to 9. So I'm going to tell the story. This is a number of verses. I'm going to tell you the story. Uh, but before we get to that, let me just illustrate this point. So Vladimir Putin... I don't care what you think about uh, Russia and Ukraine and who's right and who's wrong, but this illustration works. So Vladimir Putin, by invading Ukraine and by, by making war against Ukraine, he has not only influenced himself and put himself in a precarious position, but the whole of the nation of Russia is influenced by Putin and whoever else took the decision by that decision. And it's exactly the same with Achan. Here, here you've got a man, his name is Achan, and he stole. He disobeyed God. And now it says in verse 1, the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. 
for Achan, and then it gives you his lineage, Achan stole. He took some of the things God said were not to be taken. Verse 11, Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. But wait a minute. It wasn't the, it wasn't the whole nation that did this. Here was one man who disobeyed God and stole of the devoted things, things that, that belonged to God. There's a principle called the cooperative principle. The corporative beginsel. So one man's sin can influence others. For instance, let's say there's a dad and the dad uses drugs and the dad steals. The dad robs a bank. He influences his whole family. It does not only influence him. He's going to jail. He's going to get in trouble. They're going to hit hard on him. They're going to take his car and sell it to pay for the stolen goods or whatever the case may be. Now the whole family suffers. And here you have the same principle. A man called Achan stealing and the whole of the people of Israel are influenced. We have that same principle in the New Testament. If someone in our church steals, then it seeps through the church, even though we might not know about it, but it starts seeping through the church and God might even discipline the church. It's like yeast. You put yeast into a batch of dough when you bake bread and the yeast spreads. And it says in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 6, a little bit of yeast, because there was someone in the church busy with grievous sin, a little bit of yeast contaminates the whole church. A little bit of yeast will make the whole batch of dough rise. Isn't it so that if you have infection in one part of your body, your whole body feels sick? Right? That's the principle. So, so when it comes to Achan, this was about the devoted things we read in verse 1. So let me just give you some background because some of you are just dropped into the story. You don't know where are we? What's happening? This is what's happening. The people of Israel have come out of Egypt. They were slaves. God saved them. And now they've come through the desert for 40 years, and eventually they are now in the promised land. God has said, I'm going to give you this land. So now they're in the promised land, and their very first battle, they've defeated the city of Jericho. They walked around the city seven times, or uh, uh, one, for seven days, once every day, and on the seventh day they walk around it seven times, and suddenly the walls come crashing down, and they defeated the city. But God said, when you defeat the city, don't take anything. You destroy the whole city. Because that's, that destruction is like it's a sacrifice to the Lord. Because he's, he's, he's destroying these Canaanites, these evil and wicked people. Now they come to the next city. And now there's trouble. There's trouble because God said, do not take anything. And Achan did take. Achan coveted something. He saw these precious metals and jewels and silver and gold and nice clothes and he stole the things for himself and now we've got verse 1 at the end the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel God is angry that just shows you how serious God is about stealing it's no small matter and Israel is going to see this very soon so now in verse 2, Joshua 
They're going to attack the next city. The next city is called Ai. AI. So they're going to attack the city. Joshua sends some spies. Go and check out the city. Uh, how is there a slope? Is the city built on a hill? How are we going to attack the city? Where are the city gates? How thick are the walls? Are there soldiers uh, guarding the city? So they want to see all of that. That's good military strategy. And so Joshua sends the spies, just like 40 years earlier when Moses sent the spies into the land of Canaan to check it out. So he sends spies, and then the spies come back, and they give report. They report back, and they say in verse 3, Don't worry, Joshua, this is going to be, we're going to clean them out. This is going to be easy. This is a pushover, this one. We just need about two or 3,000 men. Don't say a lot. It's a small city. And what happens? They run away like primary school girls. They run away with their tail between their legs. They run away and they humiliated like the Pratia cricket team in 1994 when they lost to the Netherlands. Humiliated. And 36 of the Israelites are killed. And that might seem to you a small number. This is a big army. I mean, 2,000 men, 3,000 men, that's still quite a number. Only 36 were killed. Listen, there are widows now, and there are children without dads. That's no small thing. And so, suddenly there's a change. Because in, in Joshua chapter 2, verse 9 and verse 11, remember Rahab in the city of Jericho? She said, the enemies are afraid of you. They're afraid of the Israelites. Their hearts have melted like water. It's become like water. Now, this, now this, this turns around. You see in verse 5, now the Israelites, their hearts melt. Their hearts become like water. They're afraid. And in verse 6, Joshua and the elders of the people, they fall before the ark of God. They fall before the tabernacle and they they in, in shock. And here's Joshua saying, Lord, I don't understand. And he lies before the ark on his face until the evening. He's, they've torn their clothes. That wasn't uh, an ancient practice when you mourn. Uh, when you weep, they've torn their clothes, they've thrown dust on their heads, and Joshua is saying, what about your honor, Lord? What about your glory? What are the nations going to say? What are the nations going to do? They're just going to wipe us out. And then everyone's going to say, the Lord couldn't protect you. Lord, please, for the honor of your name, do not allow this. Help us. Joshua knows something is wrong. He doesn't know exactly what, but he knows something is wrong. Because in Joshua chapter 1, God said, I will be with you wherever you go, if you obey my commandments. So Joshua sees the Lord is not with us. There is sin in the camp. Something is not right. I remember a pastor saying the same thing many years ago. And another pastor heard this and told me, I disagree with him. I think I agree with that pastor. That pastor said, if your church... If the church is not growing, there's something wrong. You see it in Israel. Something's wrong. Maybe there's sin in the camp. So what should we do? That leads us to the second point, the Lord's command. And that's in verse 10 to 15. So Grant is praying for a job. He's been praying for a job for seven years. But he hasn't got a job. Why? Because he's not looking for a job. Sometimes we must stop praying and take action. 
And that is exactly the case here with Joshua, like with Grant. Joshua, in verse 10, the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? It's like God saying, stop praying, Joshua. Now is not the time to pray. Now is not the time to cry. Now is not the time to throw a pity party. Now is the time to get up and take action. There's sin in the camp it must be dealt with. Because God says to Joshua in verse 11, Israel has sinned, they've transgressed the covenant. God has made a covenant with Israel. A covenant's like a, uh, it's an agreement. So God has said, you will be my people, I will be your God. Here are the terms of the covenant on two, two uh, tablets, thank you, on two tablets of stone, chiseled in stone. Here are the terms of the covenant, the Ten Commandments, and two of the commandments say, actually three of the commandments, one of them says, you shall not bear false witness, you must not lie, you shall not steal, that's another commandment, and another one is, do not covet your neighbor's stuff. Don't be greedy and say, I want what you want, I want your stuff. And that is exactly what Achan, Achan did. Achan lied. It says so. Later on we're going to see, you lied, Achan. And actually I think it's verse 11 that says that. You've stolen and lied. They've stolen and lied. So he, stole, he coveted the stuff we're going to read later on. He's greedy, he wants this stuff. So he's breaking the 10th commandment. He has lied or stolen. He's broken the 8th commandment and he's lied. He's broken the 9th commandment. Because here are 36 men that were killed and Achan remains silent. He doesn't say, I know why this has happened. It's because of me. He's hiding this. And hiding is just another way of lying. Wow. People are dying. And you know it's your fault and you just zip your lips. You see, greed... And theft and lying, that's not on. It's not on if you're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. No kleptomaniac will enter the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 10, he speaks of thieves and he says they will not enter the kingdom. He names a list of sins and one of it is stealing or swindling. Swindling is like that guy did with a washing machine. You see, the thief, the thief, he, when he steals, he's not only bringing down other people, he's going to bring down himself. Achan, yes, it caused trouble for others, because now the whole of Israel is disciplined. The whole of Israel's lost this battle. 36 men have been killed because of Achan's sin. But you see what the thief does, it's not only uh, bringing others down, he's going to bring himself down in the end. I remember my father told me a story like that. He had a gardener, guy working in the garden, and man, he said, that guy, he stole from me. He stole, he stole tools from my garage, even expensive tools. And he said, one day, he didn't come to work, and he didn't come to work, and he didn't come to work. And when he eventually came back, the reason why he didn't come is they had cleaned him out. Someone broke into his house and just cleared the place. Do you steal from others? The Lord will allow you to be cleared out, like you see with I. Like you see with I. Even in the book of Deuteronomy with the curses, it says that God will allow these thieves to come against you and clear you out. 
Deuteronomy 28 verse 29. Here we see the same thing in verse 13. Get up, consecrate the people and say, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For thus says the Lord God, there are devoted things in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. You cannot stand. So God's going to use these enemies to discipline you. You, be, you become the sacrifice now. Because the devoted things were supposed to be a sacrifice to the Lord. Now Israel becomes a sacrifice. Because they got the stuff in their midst. And so I think the, the application for us is we cannot hide thieves and harbor thieves in our midst as a church. I'm not just talking about this church. I'm talking about any Christian church. You cannot harbor thieves. And I'm just using stealing as an example. We can mention any sin, unrepentant sin. But we cannot harbor thieves in the church and just ignore that and sweep it under the rug, sweep it under the carpet and say we just turn a blind eye. Sin is like a contagious disease and a deadly disease. It spreads and it starts influencing others and it puts everyone at risk. It put, puts everyone in danger. And so that is why verse 12 at the end was necessary. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. So there needs to be church discipline in a church also. There needs to be, like there, destroy the devoted things. Achan needs to be dealt with. The same in a church. When there's sin, when there are issues, it needs to be dealt with. It, and we know the steps, Matthew 18, speak to the person privately. If there's no uh, repentance, then you take a next step. You bring witnesses. If there's no repentance, you bring it before their church. The whole church, if there's no repentance, you cut the person off. You remove the person. Like in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where it speaks of thieves. And it says, thieves have nothing to do with them. Do not even eat with such a person. Remove the evil person from among you. And I know he was talking there about someone who was sexually immoral, but thieves is in the list. So that would go for any unrepentant sin. And if we do not practice church discipline as a church, I guarantee you God will discipline us. God will discipline the whole church, like you find in Revelation 2 verse 20 to 23, when they did not deal. You know what Jesus did? Jesus made a whip of cords and he cleaned out the temple. Why? Because of? stealing. You have turned my father's house that's supposed to be a house of prayer. You've turned into a den of thieves, robbers, because you're stealing from people by overcharging them for the sacrifices. So what should Israel do? Verse 13, the Lord said, you consecrate yourselves. You get yourselves ready, we're going to have a meeting tomorrow morning early. You get yourselves ready, you consecrate yourselves. I don't know what that exactly might mean. I think it might mean the same thing as in Exodus 19, where they had to consecrate themselves. I mean, wash your clothes, get yourselves ready, don't be unclean through touching dead bodies or uh, that kind of thing. Get ready to meet me. And now the same kind of thing here. You see, holiness... As we see in verse 13, you cannot stand before your enemies unless you take away the devoted things. Consecrate yourselves. Holiness is the key to victory. You want to conquer your enemies? You be holy. You want to conquer your enemies in the Christian life? You want to conquer sin? You want to conquer temptation? We want to conquer as a church and spread the gospel and win the loss to Christ? Sin needs to be dealt with. Listen, guys. Brothers and sisters. It is very easy to listen to this message tonight. Until next Sunday, when we find out there's a sin issue we need to deal with in the church. 
And it's very easy to do that in theory until you find out it's someone you know. Or, or now it's not easy anymore. And the same thing here. We need to be holy as a church if we want to see the Lord's help and the Lord's blessing on us and the Lord's favor. So here's Joshua, verse 14. We're going to have a little elimination process. Verse 14. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought near by your tribes, and the tribe that the Lord takes by lot shall come near by clans, and the clan that the Lord takes shall come near by households, and the household that the Lord takes shall come near man by man. So, uh, you know the Urim and the Thummim, some of you know that. The high priest had a kind of a breastplate, and there was a pocket here. And inside the pocket, there was Urim and Thummim. Now, some think it might have been two flat stones, a white stone and a black stone. And so, if they need to take a decision, they pray to the Lord, please show, Lord, uh, what you decide on this. And the priest would put his hand in and take out. And if he takes out the white stone, it would mean write this decision. If he takes out the black stone, it would mean no, we take this decision. And so that might have been the kind of thing here, casting lots, uh, where they use the Urim and the Thummim. And so elimination, right? It's not that tribe. It's not that tribe. But let's pick between these two tribes. This, okay, it's this tribe. Come. You're out, you're out, until there's one tribe left. All right, the thief is in this tribe. And so it goes. Tribe, clan, family, nuclear family, and then the individual. And so verse 15 then, this is going to happen now. The one who is taken with the devoted stuff shall be burned with fire. He and all that he has because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has done an outrageous in Israel. Now you listen to that and that shocked the 21st century mind. You're a modern person. What barbaric kind of thing is that? God chooses the man. Now he needs to be burned and, he's, and everything he owns needs to be burned. What kind of thing is that? Listen, that is not cruel. Listen to Dale Ralph Davis. This verse clearly shows the penalty is so severe because the sin is so serious. The testimony of Joshua 7 is this. You cannot treat cancer with vitamin pills. It requires radical surgery. We may think cancer is not a big deal. God says it is. We may think sin is not a big deal. God says it is. You see, it's not when we read this kind of thing in this chapter, it's not that God does not understand grace. It's that we do not understand holiness. That's why we're so quickly offended when we read stories like this in the Bible, we do not understand that our God is a consuming fire. The Lord our God is a holy God. And He will not stand sin. He will not accept sin and sweep it under the rug. And that is why, because we do not understand that God is a consuming fire, that is why we call stealing sickness. And we call it kleptomania. The person can't help it. And God must just turn a blind eye. Listen, if we understand Joshua chapter 7, then we will understand. This man is going to be burned with fire. And then we will understand Jesus saying, I have brought fire on the earth. It will be kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with. And I'm anxious until it is complete or till it is fulfilled. Jesus talks about his own death as a, as a baptism of fire. You see, if we do not understand sin, then the cross seems so cruel, the cross seems so outlandish and alien to us. 
But if we understand the holiness of God, the seriousness of sin, then we understand the price Jesus paid on the cross. And once you understand that, then you understand amazing love and grace. Finally, number three, Achan's punishment. That is in verse 16 to 26. Now, any time our church has a case of a third or fourth step of church discipline, any time where we have to bring something before our church or we have to remove someone from membership uh, for unrepentant sin, I do not sleep well that night before that happens. And Joshua, I guess Joshua was like that. Here's Joshua. The Lord says, go to the people and say, get yourselves ready for tomorrow. I can just imagine Joshua didn't sleep that night. And he gets up early. It tells us in verse 16. So Joshua rose early in the morning. Why? He wants to deal with this thing. This must be dealt with. This must be sorted out. He wants the people to repent. We need to get this thing cleared and right. So verse 17 and 18, the elimination starts. All right. Urim and Thummim. Everyone, stand closer. And so they got the tribes lined up. Twelve tribes. You're out, that side, that side. Move to the right, move to the right until you've got the final tribe. All right, families, come closer. Not your family. The Lord has made the choice. You're out, you're out. Eliminate, eliminate until you've got the final clan and then the family and then the nuclear family and then... This guy's heart's beating. Achan, it's getting closer, it's getting closer. And Achan is taken. Listen, Achan had the opportunity with every step of elimination to say it was me. Stop the process. He didn't. He didn't repent. He thought he could hide his sin. And God sees everything. And God knows everything. God can save any thief. God can forgive any thief. He did so for the thief on the cross. Do you remember that? He saved the man and he forgave his sin and the man went to heaven. But if you want to be forgiven, you must repent. You must confess and say, I have done it. I have sinned against the Lord. And you must make restitution. Like you shall read on this text we had on the screen, or the announcement there, Luke 19, I think I heard when Len preached on that this morning, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus did not only say, please forgive me, I have stolen, Zacchaeus obeyed Exodus 22, if you steal this and this, you must repay fourfold, if you steal this and this, you must pay double, and Zacchaeus did that, he said, I've sinned Lord, I'm going to restore this, and the Lord will forgive you. You have the opportunity, like Achan. Elimination, elimination, elimination. He had the chance and he didn't repent. You have the chance tonight, if you are a thief, if you have stolen. Now maybe you're afraid of the consequences. If I acknowledge that I've stolen, I'm going to jail. If I acknowledge that I've stolen, I'm going to lose my job. I would rather take those consequences than these consequences. I'd rather take those consequences than die and go to hell. Because I'm a thief. 
And, and for you to acknowledge and accept the consequences, that shows you're really sorry. I will take the consequences no matter what. I'm sorry for what I've done. And above all, you must get things right with God. You must sort things out with the Lord. You must call to the Lord for a clean conscience to purify you, to forgive your sins. Come, let us deal with this matter. Even if your sins were as scarlet, they will be white as snow. If they were red as crimson, they were like crimson, they will be white as wool. Why? Why can God forgive a thief? I think verse 19 just gives me a hint. Why can God forgive? Well, I don't think verse 19. I think I've got the wrong verse here. Verse 17, that's right. Verse 17, and he brought near the clans of Judah. Hmm. So the thief is in the clan of Judah, the tribe of Judah. Who else came? Who else was a man chosen from the tribe of Judah to take the punishment and become a curse? Jesus. And Jesus took the curse for us and took the punishment. And so you can find forgiveness in Him. All you need to do is confess the sin and acknowledge you have sinned against God. Like Joshua says in verse 19, Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel. Give praise to Him. Tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Do not hide your sin, my friend. Do not hide your sin and think you can hide your thievery and your stealing. Come out. Come clear. Bring it to the Lord and say, I have stolen. You are right in wanting to punish me, Lord. I deserve it. And you come to the Lord and come before Him and you have a great view of God to say He's a holy God and He's the all-seeing God and He sees everything. And then you will hate sin. There is no hope for you as long as you excuse your sin. As long as you say, I'm a kleptomaniac, can't help it. Make a full confession. Like Joshua said to Achan, like Achan in verse 20 and 21, this is what I did, this is how much I stole, this is where I hid it. Full confession and even acknowledging it started because I was greedy. That's where stealing starts. I want. And it starts with being dissatisfied. I'm not happy with what I want. Without what I have, I want more. And I'm not willing to work for it. I'll take yours. Thank you very much. And when you do confess, don't just confess because you want to silence your conscience. Don't just confess because you feel guilty and you just want to get this clear. Don't just confess because you, you've been caught out, like Achan. Okay, I've been caught. Red-handed. All right. This is what happened. Don't just confess because you want to escape the consequences. Repent and call on the name of Jesus by faith. Call on the Lord Jesus Christ and pray to Him and apply these verses to say, Lord, don't give me riches. So I will forget you. And don't make me poor. So I will steal to get food and bring dishonor to your name. Lord, I don't want to be a thief because it's a lack of knowledge. It's because of a lack of knowledge 
that my people are destroyed, that people steal and do all these kinds of things. Lord, I want to gather, I want to gather riches in heaven, not on earth. On earth, thieves will steal it. I want, I want treasures in heaven. And then you start working for an honest living. And you work honestly and you work hard. And you take of the, of the living you earn and you even share with others who are in need. First, yes, take care of what you need, but then share. And you become content. And you say, this is what the Lord has given me. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. By the way, that's what the verse means. That's the context. It's about, I don't have enough, but I can trust the Lord. He will provide. Or, I have so much, the Lord has given me, but I'm not going to become greedy. I'm going to share. And then you say, I must keep my life free from the love of money because God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Lord, I trust you. Please help me. And if you don't do so, well then verse 22 and 23 will, will happen. Joshua sent the messages. They found everything. The thing was exposed. Here's the culprit. Here's the thief. This is what he has stolen. And it's set before the Lord and everyone knows. And that will happen also in this church. And, and even if we don't do it, then God will discipline us, but God's going to bring it out. That will be exposed. It will be exposed. It will be brought before the church, as Matthew 18 tells us. Um, and what's going to happen about the stuff you stole? You're going to lose it anyway. You're going to lose the stuff you stole like Achan. It was destroyed. All, these stuff was, they were, all, all the stuff was destroyed. And Achan lost his family. Achan lost all his possessions. Achan lost his life. Achan lost his soul. Doesn't Jesus teach us the same kind of thing with the example of Judas? Judas, Judas was a thief. Judas stole. It says in, in John 12, what happened to Judas? He lost the money he got and he lost his soul. What does it help? You gain the whole world. You get the whole world as your possession, but you lose your soul, said Jesus in Mark 8 verse 36. Now maybe you listen to all of this uh, and you see what happened with Achan. Uh, Achan is now stoned. He's burnt. And everything he possesses is burnt. His family is stoned. The animals are burnt. He's, that belongs to you. You think that is, that is just insane. Why all of this for this one man's sin? And This is unfair. His family wasn't involved, weren't they? Didn't Deuteronomy 24 verse 16 say, Children will not be punished for the sins of their parents, nor parents for the sins of their children? So why will his family be punished? Because they knew. And they hid it with him. They didn't speak up. And the animals, well, they were a sacrifice to the Lord. So Achan has brought trouble. That's what Achan means. His name means troublemaker. And he's, he's, he's executed in the valley of Akor in verse 25 and 26. And Akor means trouble. So here's a troublemaker who dies in the valley called trouble. And the same will happen to you if you steal. You bring trouble upon others and you, in the end, it's going to turn around and bite you. You'll bring trouble upon yourself. And you see it in verse 26 through the monument that he set up. They pack a bunch of stones. They actually killed him and all these stones become a heap. And that, that pile of stone, stones in future, in Israel's history, it becomes a monument. So anyone who sees the, the heap of stones, what, what's that heap of stones, Dad? Oh, uh, that's Achan. This is what happened. And I think the same for us tonight. 
We don't have the stones crying out and telling us stories, but we have this. We have bread virtually speaking tonight and grape juice virtually speaking tonight, saying this is how serious sin is. Blood flowed on that cross. This is how serious God takes sin, and this is how great grace and love and forgiveness are. That Jesus did this for us. We deserve that. And Jesus comes and he saves, and he forgives. There's forgiveness. The, the, the burning anger of the Lord, verse 26, turned away. Why did the burning anger of God turn away from you and I? Because it came on Him, on Christ. So there's forgiveness for thieves. Where your sin is much, God's grace will be more. You just turn to Him. In repentance and faith. You can be cleansed. You can be washed. Like Zacchaeus. We read tonight. Yosha read. Zacchaeus was saved. Salvation has come to this house. To a thief. God saved him. And so then the valley of Arkor, which means trouble, will be changed to you. For, uh, it will be changed into the valley of hope. Like Hosea 2 verse 15 says. says the valley of Arkor turns to the valley of hope. Forgiveness. Salvation. Now that will not happen as long as you excuse your sin. As long as you measure yourself against shoplifters, hijackers, robbers, people who rob banks and kill. You measure yourself against the government, they're stealing land. Government, they corrupt, they're stealing millions. And you measure yourself against human trafficking, they're stealing human beings. And you think, I'm not that bad. As long as you do that, and you think, I'm not that bad. Let me just ask you some questions then. Do you steal from your employer? You steal time. You steal money because you get paid for half a job. You don't do the job properly. Or perhaps you get paid but you, you pitch up late for work, you rock up late for work, you leave early, you extend your break times, you crook, you cheat on your tax forms, you abuse the privileges you have from the company, uh, whether it be fuel or vehicles or whatever. Or maybe you steal not from your employer, but you steal from your employee. You're not paying him enough. And you know that. Or you're not paying him enough, or you, you're paying him late, you're withholding money, and you get all the interest in your bank account. Oh, sorry guys, I can only, only, I'm going to have to pay you five days late this week. We don't have enough money, but you're lying. There's money in your account, you, you, you get the interest. Or maybe you're stealing from a client, because you're asking way more than the product is worth. That product's not worth it. And you're robbing people. Or maybe you're stealing from a salesman. So you've got this thing in you. The thing costs, let's say, a thousand rand. This guy's making 50% profit and you bring him down to 550. That guy's making over, or 600 rand. Maybe 550 makes 50 bucks profit. Want cliënten kan net so skel en wees soos verkoopsmanne. It says in Proverbs 20 verse 14. Maybe there's some children here or university students you're stealing from your university, you're stealing from your school because you're writing off homework or you're writing off exams. You're sneaking and peeking and that's a form of stealing or plagiarism. Hey, you write something, maybe an assignment and you act as if this is your own work but it's not. It's plagiarism. What about copyright? Copyright computer programs. What about forging signatures? What about lazy pastors? Hmm? Dodgysermons.com. 
Yeah, just go online on Saturday night. I went golfing this week and I was sleeping late and I did this and did that. Oh, goodness, Saturday, I'm a, what am I going to preach tomorrow? And so no sermon prep, you just steal from other pastors and you act as if it's your own sermon. Jeremiah 30, 23 verse 30. Prophets stealing my words from one another. What about the prosperity gospel? Oh, what a terrible, terrible bunch of thieves. Manipulating old ladies for money. Oh, if you just touch the screen now, touch the screen. God's going to give a miracle. Sow your seed offering. Just, just this number, toll free. Or, or this, just send your money. Send your money in. And God will give you a miracle. They're stealing money from people like the Pharisees. Where that poor widow puts in her last two coins. They're robbing her. Or stealing from the Lord. Maybe you're stealing from the Lord. Malachi chapter 3. How are, you stealing? How are we stealing from you, Lord? You're holding, you, you're holding back your offerings. You're holding back what you should give to the Lord's work. That's a form of stealing. Or maybe children stealing from their parents. Oh, it's just chocolate. It's just condensed milk. Man, that's stealing. That's where you learn to steal, right? You didn't, where, did, where did hijackers start? By stealing cars? They started by stealing condensed milk. Lying about things that you've found, lost things. Oh, did you see this? No, no, I didn't. Bribing people, taking bribes, giving bribes, a form of stealing. Or just being lazy. You're a lazy person, you will not work. So, no, no, I'm not going to work for 2,000 rand a month. Oh, but I have to work and for the 2,000 and give it to you for free. Laziness, form of stealing. You're eating other people's bread and not your own. What about credit cards, guys? You max out this credit card, max out that credit card, and now the bank wants to eat you and you don't have money. Or you're in debt and you're not paying the debt, you're not paying the rent. Isn't that a form of stealing? Borrowing stuff from people and not giving it back. I just borrowed it. No, you didn't, you book thief. Am I a book thief? Have I got some of your books? <laughs> Tell me and I'll give it back. Mm. Or borrowing stuff and losing it, borrowing stuff and giving it back damaged in a worse condition than you found it. All of these are forms of stealing. And let me tell you, stealing is no laughing matter. It's not a laughing matter in the eyes of God. We saw it in this chapter. I heard a sermon on this chapter in Kwazili Natal in the year 2012. And the content of the sermon, it was in a I won't even say the denomination, but it wasn't a Baptist church, but it was a really good church and a really good sermon. The, the content of the sermon was excellent, but it was so funny. There was so much humor in the sermon, I didn't take the guy seriously. And I wonder who did. Huh? How do we preach on a serious issue like this and we make jokes about it? So let us fear God. And repent. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you indeed with fear and trembling. How will we stand before the Almighty on the day of judgment if we are found in sin and out of Christ? O oh Lord, I pray for any year tonight who have been brought under conviction by your word and spirit that they would not seek ways to cover up their sin but that they would seek every way possible to get right with you and to find forgiveness. 
And I pray for the rest who say, I'm not a thief, I've not stolen, and where I have in the past I have repented, that you would help them to stay on track and help us to stay on track, Lord, and to walk in your ways and to be thankful for the punishment Jesus took for our sins. And give us your grace. Multiply your mercies upon us, O Lord, for we need this in Jesus' name. Amen.